Welcome to the Conscious Healing Podcast with Mona Loring. This is a show that marries the mystical with the practical to help you with your spiritual healing. Whether you're newly curious about what's behind the veil or you're well into your spiritual journey, this show offers a grounded exploration into all you've been seeking. Welcome back to another episode of Conscious Healing Podcast. I am your host, Mona Loring. It's always really fun to say that. I wonder if I was a radio show DJ in another life. Who knows? But it's fun. I'm so glad to have you guys back for this episode. This is a really special one to me. Uh, The guest is a very, very close friend and mentor of mine, and he has been by my side through some of the darkest times in my life. And he was by my side during my husband Nathan's severe depression and much, much more. And he has been a rock that's really got me through by showing me my strength and my abilities to be a powerful woman and healer. And I am going to be grateful to this man for all of my lifetimes. So I'm going to just roll right into telling you about Andre because I think that the bio and the interview are going to speak for themselves, but I just want you to know that he is one of those guys that, you know, I I doubt a lot of people. I'm very skeptical in this business because I've been able and lucky enough to see, you know, every side. I've seen people who are legit AF and I've seen people who are fake AF. And you probably would be shocked if I told you the ones who are fake AF, and I'm just not going to have to go there because I don't want it to be about negativity, only positivity. So in saying that, I can assure you that I have seen Andre do some amazing things that are truly what I feel like magic before my eyes. And I, I know that there's so much more to discover in him, and I'm so excited about my future and my journey of having Andre as my friend and mentor. But take a look at his website. I'll, I'll share his information in my show notes and check him out. Visit his Instagram. And let's just dive right into this episode. Andre is a doctor of integrated medicine, naturopathic spiritual medicine, and natural health sciences, and is a certified wellness counselor. Honestly, these, these are just words because as someone who has worked with him, He is something that just is beyond labels if you ask me, but I shall continue in reading his bio to you. (laughs) He is an internationally recognized intuitive healer specializing in complex and unusual cases, and he has over 20 years of experience in the world of energy medicine and the study of the paranormal. He is the founder of Frequency Energy Medicine and Psychos... Okay, you guys, this is a word. Psychosymmetrolosis psychosymmetrolosis, and holds several patents. Y'all try to say that word three times fast and let's see how you do. Andre is a film consultant for paranormal blockbusters, and he is now a part of a celebrity-based international masterclass organization launching this spring. Andre has dedicated his life to empowering others to use their natural gifts. And again, he is a dear friend of mine, and I am so very honored to have him on this episode and for you all to meet him. Hi, Andre. Welcome to the show. Hello, Mona. How Thank the tables have turned. I'm pretty sure you were the first podcast I was ever on. <laughs> You're kidding me, really? Wow. Actually, no, I think it was the second, but 
Yeah, you you surprised me when you when you started asking me my questions, and I got all shy. And look at me now, crazy. <laughs> you were actually shy. You didn't look shy at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I felt all kinds of shyness on the inside. It was a thing. So I'm so grateful to have you here because I know you are one of the busiest men that I know, and I know a lot of busy people, and. You are one of the most special people in my life. So this is just an honor to have you. And I want to start by having you tell your backstory to everybody. That's how I've just started to introduce everybody is because I think it's so fun for everybody to hear their journey with spirit and their backstory with spirit and yours that I've heard before. I love so much. It's, it's so special and it just shows exactly the beautiful gifts that you've been given by spirit. So can you tell us about your journey of how you started with spirit since you were a little boy. Well, first of all, thank you for saying that. It just filled my heart. That, that was that was wonderful. So my my whole life is accidental. The, the best way to describe it is everything that I'm doing now. I, I didn't set out to be a spiritual person. I didn't say, I'm gonna, right, I'm going to go out and save the world. So one night, I'm fast asleep. I was seven years old. And then there was a bunch of activity outside. I had no idea what was going on. But I was in a, a small town called Wolverhampton in England. And at that, that night, all these lights appeared all over at, at the, where, we, where we lived. There was, a, they looked like cigar shaped. There was round saucers. There was flashing lights. There was weird lightning. All these things are going on. I was away, little kid, fast asleep. The following morning, I woke up and everybody was talking about it. And, uh, but before I actually went downstairs, I looked at my foot and my foot was sticking outside the bed. And there was a glow around my foot. I could see all these colors. So I kind of ran to my parents' bedroom and, and heard them discussing it. It was early in the morning. They said, go back to bed, Andre. You know, don't, everybody don't see colors. From that day onwards, I saw energy around everything. And I, I'm talking not just like a color, but layers. I don't see colors as people see colors. I see like the rings of a tree. What I see is pretty complex, many, many layers. So and, and at that time, I was struggling. I had dyslexia and I also have um, autism, Asperger's syndrome. So I wasn't doing too well at school. And as I got older, I was, you know, having a really hard time. I was seeing these colors and I was just the odd kid. But I started getting visitations from this lady that would come at night and she was a former school teacher and she'd pop in. And as I was sitting under the bed and she would tell me different things, she'd teach me philosophy, taught me science, taught me mathematics. Didn't know she was a ghost. I had no idea she was a spirit. So my education started, I, 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 was, I wasn't doing well at school. And all of a sudden, I went from being the kid that was the lowest grade to knowing about philosophy. And I remember I was in the classroom and the teacher was talking about Plato and Socrates. And he said, well, when Socrates wrote his first book, and I said, excuse me, miss, um, Socrates never wrote a book in his life. Uh, Plato wrote the book. Uh, Socrates believed in experience. He believed in empathy and passing the message on with the spoken word, not the written word. I got detention for that. But I was right. <laughs> So what happened to me is as a, as a child, I, I was in this world of seeing and sensing energy, but also getting help from spirit. But I didn't understand that that was spirit. When my parents found out, uh, and at the time they were not, their religion wouldn't allow them to, to, to believe in these things, I was severely punished. And I was told pretty much that everything that I saw, felt or experienced was bad. It was the devil's work and literally had to shut it down. But I didn't, you know, I'm a little boy. You Still. listen to anything someone tells you to do? I have never listened to anybody. <laughs> I do it my own way. I literally do. 
And so I just carried on at night and then my sister would get migraines and I would get rid of the migraines. And then the kids at school knew I could help with pain. So and I, I was always counseling people. I actually ended up counseling teachers. Teachers would sit down with me and have conversations about the husbands and the wives and philosophy. And I was like 10 years old. And I'd be, yes, well, you know, this is what I would suggest. <laughs> so that was my, that's, that's how I kind of grew up. And in the meantime, I was struggling with reading because of dyslexia. And then this teacher from America came over. He was this short guy, heavy smoker from Chicago. Um, he was kind of a scruffy guy, but he was an angel. He brought this new idea of this thing called dyslexia, which wasn't heard of when I was a child, and began to teach me how to read and how to write. And that literally changed my life to the fact now that books are my best friends. I can't, I can't go anywhere without, without reading a book. And this one guy, he died uh, from, from lung cancer because he's probably been smoking, but he was the, the most benevolent, most amazing man I'd ever met. And every child that he came in contact with, he bought, he lifted out of whatever they were and made them great. Every single child that I know that he worked with has all gone on and done something great with their lives. So that led me to believe not that I want to smoke like him, but could it be like that teacher? He was the, the, the mentor for me to, to really go out and do these things. And I, and I see that all the time. You are definitely the most benevolent man I've ever met. And so that, that rings true. And I'm glad to know you're not a smoker because we want to keep you around a very, very long time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is an incredible beginning of your journey. Can you tell everybody how that's progressed in your career? Because you have such a fascinating career. And every time I sit with you, with how many times I've sat with you and how many stories you've told me, there's still like hundreds of more stories that you can tell me. So I'm not sure where we want to jump in here, but can you tell people, you know, your journey of how from a kid now you, you become older and you, you realize that you are going to be working in spirit now. Can you tell us about that? Just I put, I put down to curiosity, um, the curiosity of how the world works, but trying to imagine being a child that couldn't explain what they were seeing. When I eventually broke away from everything, it all started really for me. I decided to be a man's man. So I got into construction, did steel, steel work, didn't anything to do with spirituality. I was climbing on steel, throwing steel girdies together. And I was the man drinking beer and talking to the, talking to the girls, wolf whistling. Well, one day um, I decided to get married <laughs> just one day, literally. I'm like, okay, I need a, need a house. I need a wife. I need a car. I need to be. So I found a girl, best friend, sister, and married her. And uh, by the way, the most amazing person, we're still great friends. And uh, so what happened is when I got married, I, I, I decided that, you know, everything's going to be perfect and I'd make money and everybody would be happy, but it didn't have to be spiritual. Well, my son was born and in the process, um, things didn't go quite well. And I began to learn that I had these healing abilities that I could change people around me, that I could actually help people. I was still in denial. But as time manifested, I began to realize that I could influence the colors I was seeing around people. It was like an orchestra. And the way I see this is everybody has a thousand instruments playing within their cycle. We're all like this massive orchestra. We've got our liver, our kidneys, and it's all playing in perfect harmony. If you have one instrument in an orchestra, one wind instrument, one drum, one, one little thing that's out of place, maybe a violin is not playing correctly, it destroys the whole orchestra. So I decided to become a conductor and literally make people's frequencies match. And instead of going in like most healers and doing all this, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to touch you, I'm going to do everything. 
I can do it in less than a second because I'm changing the person's frequency. So often I'll have hundreds of people in front of me and all of them will benefit from the healing with no cost to me because all I've done is change that frequency. It also gives me the ability to predict, we call it at frequency matching, what happens next. So as I grew up, I had to try to explain to people what I was doing. So I coined the phrase frequency energy medicine. So basically, I follow the rule of frequencies. Uh, I apply energy and that becomes a, med a medicine. So it's literally that whole process of, um, of, of moving energy around, not, not, to, not to change it, but to correct it to what it should be. If that makes sense. It's so interesting because I remember that I remember our first meetings and you would have to tone down. I don't I wonder where you're at with me now. It'd actually be a fun test, but um, you would have to tone yourself down around me because I would get so freaking lightheaded and I would get giddy and giggly and lightheaded. And I didn't know what I was thinking. And I'm trying to, you know, have a PR, proper PR chat with you, and, <laughs> you know, and I couldn't even go there and. And, and I remember you being like, okay, I need to, I need to, I'm toning it down. I need to tone it down. It's a lot for you. So, so what does that have to do? This is just my own curiosity, but I just also wanted people to know that you do that because it's fascinating. Um, you know, what, what does that have to do with, with how you see energy and how you, how you have to tone that down with maybe, were you affecting me in that way? Were you correcting my, you, you were not, you were not ready. Or? So what happens is when a person's around me, their real self comes out. So if they've got all this business stuff going on and they're trying to be, you're a child inside. So what happened is your child came to the surface. I broke down all the barriers. So what I did is I just stopped, I stopped working with those barriers. I just put them all back very carefully until you were ready to bring them away. Sometimes people open themselves up really quickly to me and it's too much for them. But literally I'm like a church pew. You go in, you sit down in front of me and it's confession time. And all the things energetically just come out. And I've seen grown men giggling like little schoolboys, telling me the stuff they did to their sisters and doing all And then they, they suddenly stop and they go, um, I'm a head of a corporation here. And I've just told you things that I did to my sister. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I will not forget one time when we were at dinner, um, we, everybody listening, uh, Andre and I were out at dinner and we took my son with us. And because Andre knows my son really well. And my son looks at me, we're just talking in the parking lot before we say goodbye. And he's like, you're acting like you're drunk. And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> what is he talking about? And it was just because Andre was, I thought in my mind, like Andre makes me happy. He makes me very happy. We're good friends and it's great. And I, you're making me think of that right now where I was just like, I cannot believe he's saying I'm acting like I'm drunk because I was so giggly and giddy. It was hilarious. Well, uh, when I go to parties, it's so funny. So, you know, occasionally I go to parties, even though I'm spiritual. And uh, people always know when I walk in because the tempo changes. I bring everywhere I go, I seem to bring happiness. And there's a few people will be crying in the corner because all the truth comes out. But I bring a lot of happiness and hope in the locations I go into. So... It's natural healing. I'm not trying to heal people. So when people say to me, you know, I want to be a healer. And I say, it's not about wanting to be a healer. You either can do it or you can't. And once you do it, it's a great responsibility. You take on the responsibility of people's lives and vulnerable people. So I get referrals from hospitals, mainly from doctors, that are people that they can't help anymore. I'm the last resort. So by the time they get to me, they're so angry. And when you're the last resort, then you're the, you're the one that's going to help them. If you can't help them, 
They don't care about everything else has been done to them. It's your fault. So you're right at the tail end of all the anger, all the treatments, all the chemotherapy, everything that's been done to them. And I relish that because what I do is I make them laugh. I live to make people smile. And I've been given this greatest gift of all. Forget the healing, forget the fact that I'm a medium and all these different things. If I can make a person smile or have a better life, isn't that more worthy than anything else that could do? It's more worthy than money. It's more worthy than having a big fancy house or a big car. Seeing people smile gives me the greatest pleasure. And I've heard you say that many times, and it's it's the most genuine thing you say. It's it's absolutely, I know it's true. And some people, I'm curious if there's any skeptics that are like, yeah, right, the ha- smile over money. And I'm I'm living proof that this is very much truth from Andre. Absolutely true. So going back to frequency energy medicine, because that's that's where I want to really hone in on on this episode with you. Can you can you break it down a little bit more in layman's terms, Mr. Smarty Pants, and help us kind of understand, like slow it down a little bit. What exactly are we dealing with? What is frequency energy medicine? Can can you kind of break us down from like the very beginning ABCs of it? Well, let's, I'll break it as simple as I can. So I'll take you back to the basics. Okay. We're, we're made of three three major areas. Look at the mind, body, and spirit. But we also what we also know now there's three layers to the aura. So we have an inner layer, which is our core. We have the outer layer, which is the flesh and the, the autonomic systems and, and all the, the things that are physical. And then we have the third layer, which is the spiritual, the psychic or the etheric. So we know we have three layers of the aura. So when I'm working with somebody, the first thing I have to decide when they walk in, are they here for mind, body or spirit? And by determining that, I know what course of treatment that, that works for them. So what I'm doing is I'm looking at not just a person's energy. People say, oh, you see auras. I see the three layers. So I can focus on your core, your outer, or your, 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 your etheric. And as I'm focused on those areas, I can read those different areas, but you can't just read it all as one. You have to go through a process of understanding the frequencies. But let's go back to the orchestra, and let's just talk about the vibrations. We tend to know when something's wrong, but we don't listen. So what I try to do is train people to listen to what's going on, what's wrong with them, to listen to where the heart's not working properly, or... They, they want to go and do something, but the body's saying no, but they're not listening because the mind's saying, like running up hill, for instance. Um, hey. <laughs> it's, it's, but your, your, your mind and your body and spirit are sometimes disconnected. And, and what happens is that when they are, it, each, one, each one tells you the one there's a problem. So the mind will tell the body, I need to sleep, I need to relax, I need to refresh. The body will tell the mind, hey, I'm, I've done too much right now. Let's stop eating the cookies. And then the spirit will say, hey, you guys, I need to meditate. But they all, they all communicate. And you have, to, you have to balance them all out. In this world today, very few people are balanced. So let's say that the central core is, is, is stronger. So your true central core, the spiritual core of you, the mind is absolute. Well, if you're thinking too much, you might forget to eat. You might forget to exercise. You might forget to take care of yourself. If you're too spiritual... You might not think about the body and, and what you say to people. You can just say whatever you want, and that could have terrible consequences. So it's this balance. So in frequency energy medicine, I have the ability to change those frequencies without anybody barely noticing. It's the results they get which surprise even the most skeptical of people. How does Andre do it? And I will say to them time and time again, I didn't do it. You did. All I did was move something and change something and you had to walk forward. So in my practice is making people take responsibility 
and teach them how to carry on. Because what happens if I'm the only person that can help you? I'm going to become your guru. You're going to keep coming back to me over and over again. That's not helping you. But if I can, if I can dig a well for you to get your own water, isn't that better than turning up every week with a bottle of water for you? So that, so that, to me, energy is a resource that lives within yourself. So when I read somebody, we use what we call energetic mapping. So I follow a very strict rule. So I have 12 what we call principles. And those 12 principles identify various areas of energy within a person. And the calendar is based on those principles. Like this month is belief. Last month was intuition. And I live my, every single year, I live my, my life in accordance to those months. We predict it at the beginning of the, the end of the last year into the beginning of the new year. And then we predict what the energy is going to be for each individual month. And they'll live that. So I'm living belief right now. So everything I'm doing is reading about religion. I'm believing in myself. I'm checking my beliefs. I'm t talking about beliefs. Last month was all about intuition. So I talked about intuition. I show people intuition. I gave them tools for intuition. And by honoring those 12 things throughout the year of frequencies, each aspect or each principle of who you are gets energy. So not just your mind, body and spirit, but all those 12 things throughout the year, which are very loosely based around astrology, actually feed the soul, they feed the body and they definitely feed the spirit. And I want to definitely go back to uh, the book of life and, and tie into this because I definitely want everybody listening to know about that. But we'll, we'll go back to that. So I want to put a bookmark there. But talking about just frequencies and, and how people are dialing into the mind, body, the spirit. And like you were saying, I see this all the time when someone is, in, which everybody's imbalanced. It's just very few people are balanced, like you said. And, you know, if you're, and I've been imbalanced in different ways where when you're describing it, I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. When I'm like really spiritual, like I completely forget about my body, which is the most common one for me. Um, when you're in your mind, you know, and, and, or spiritual, both, you forget about your body and when you are really physical, like you, all you care about is that and you're, you're disconnected from spirit. And so, so what would you say lowers frequency more health, emotion, or spiritual connection? Is there, are they just equally balanced of how much they lower frequency or is there one that might affect someone more or less? It's a hard question because each individual is affected by different things, but I would say jealousy, anger, emotions play a huge part envy, all those areas that can really affect you. But depression is often born of not feeling worthy. So I would say things like perfectionism, um, things where people are trying to be perfect or fit in a certain way, uh, where they build themselves up and have high hopes, but don't fulfill them. In other words, it's good to aim high, but when you aim too high or you don't put the effort into getting there. So you want to be a great guitarist, but you never learn to play guitar. Then you anger everybody that plays the guitar. Uh, it, it, right. Those are the kind of things that can lead to fluctuations in the frequency. Often, though, it's it's a sense of guilt. So when people, for instance, are children of mothers or fathers that place guilt on them or say, you could have done better at college. What were you thinking? Why did you marry that person? Why did you do that? That can have a ripple effect that can go through mind, body and spirit and lead to, to cancers and diseases. So I think it's really the things, everything around us in, in, in its own way can cause external factors. Any kind of external factor can cause internal changes. So I say to people, if someone's telling you something or if you believe in something in a certain way, you better understand what that is and you better change it because if you don't, you're going to create your own problems. 
you're going to create your own disease and your own frequency that could manifest into other things. I'll give you an example. You get up in the morning and you're not feeling good about yourself, so you stub your toe. And that toe is really painful. And now, you, now you're feeling not good. You go downstairs and you spill the milk all over the table. Then you get out the door and you catch your dress and rip your dress. Then you get in the car and you've got a flat tire. And the whole day is just going, and you just get it. It's building. It, you're creating, you're calling in the energy. You get up in the morning, you stub your toe, you sit down, you laugh and you cry and you get it, wrap it all up and you get out. You get downstairs and you spill the milk and you go, oh, really? Did I spill the milk? And you walk out and go, not a flat tire. Depending on your approach to it, it's still the same situations, but your reaction to it can either drain you completely or you can make light of it. People often think, you know, Andre, you go, you go into some really scary places, you, do, you work in some really scary environments. Why are you so happy? Happiness and joy is what drives me. That's the true healing power. The moment you get depressed, you become selfish because depression is a very selfish act because often all you want to do is talk about yourself. So for me, I'm not that interesting. I think what I do is interesting, but me as a person, I'm just an average guy that just happens to have a few quirks in his life. <laughs> I think it's funny when you say you're not interesting, but anyways, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of anyone who right now, whenever, whenever I have these interviews, I always think about what the audience is going to really react to. And we can both agree that uh, someone hearing you say that depression is selfish is really going to jar some people because I remember when we've had those conversations, um, it's, I've always been like, oh my gosh, do you, t do you tell the, the depressed person that? And you know, how do they, but I've also seen you in action with a depressed person. And uh, I've seen how that really clicked for that person and really helped that person kind of wake up like, wait a second. I guess I am being pretty selfish. So can, can we dive can just answer that? that just answer that one for a second and explain. When I tell somebody yeah. that, that, that they're, being, they're being selfish, there's normally a good reason for it, especially when it involves depression. It's when the whole world's revolving around them. And you know what that does? That gets them talking. That gets them angry. That gets them yelling at me. And the moment they do that, the moment they come at me is when I open my heart and I let them talk. Because getting someone who's depressed to talk, depression, as long as you're talking about depression, you're okay. The moment you go quiet is the most dangerous part of it all. So I live to make anybody who's depressed to, to, to express themselves and ultimately they find joy. So the reason I say that to people and I use the word, I, I say, well, you're being selfish. They react so strongly to it. Yeah. It actually starts the healing process. Yeah. And, and that's why I'm thinking like anyone who heard it was like, wait, this guy's literally calling depressed people selfish. And I can tell you guys and anyone who listens to my podcast knows I'm very open about the fact that I have been surrounded by depression. I have so many people in my life with depression um, that, that overcame it, by yeah. the way. Um, and and uh, one of them very much thanks to Mr. Andre here. Uh, but, you know, it's it's something where I completely agree with you, Andre, as long as they're talking about it and they're able to say it, they're working on it. And it's the one that goes quiet that that's when they start to give up. And it, it, it puts a pit in my stomach just thinking about that because I have been through suicide. Um, and, you know, I think that that's really what what I think is so profound about that. You're the first person who I was like, wow, you're going completely different direction towards taking care of depression for someone than I've ever thought about because you're kind of taught to be like, 
be there for, you know, when you go through that checklist, which I had many times of like, okay, what to do if you're, you know, a caretaker of someone who's suicidal or depressed or whatever. And you go through that checklist of, you know, I'll never tell them they're wrong, never go against them. Like all these things of just kind of, um, what am, what is the word I'm looking Locating. for? Like I'm, I'm imagining just like petting the hair of the person, like you know, placating, right? Yeah. And I actually totally disagree with that. And this is a very scary conversation and in no way are we telling you I, I want zero responsibility and I want no one to say this is what Mona or Andre are saying people need to do. But I'm only speaking from my own experience and I have found that Yes, you hold space for someone. You hold it just like Andre said, where you open your heart, you give them love. That person needs love more than anybody else, for sure. But at the same time, I think that the most important thing to do when someone is depressed, and again, this is only my personal opinion. I am not a licensed therapist or anything of the sort, but I have found that when you shake that person up to feel emotion, because depression is the lack of of emotion emotion for the most part. People think it's sadness. Sadness is totally different than depression from what I've seen it as. Depression is very much so uh, lack of emotion. And it's it's that um, lethargy and it's like that that numbness. The people who I know that have been truly depressed, they they mainly describe their life as numb. There's no color. Everything's Everything's dead. Everything's just flat. Yeah. Yeah. Can I I just jump in there? I just want to say about about depression. I think... The people with depression are some of the most creative and most beautiful people on the planet. And that the problem with people that are depressed is they have powerful empathy and they've been hurt so much that they've switched off. Because every time I work with someone who's in severe depression and they come out of it, what they do next is unbelievable. Whether it's art, whether it's music, whether it's taking care of things. A father becomes an amazing father when he gets out of depression. A woman who's been suffering depression for 20 years, which just happened to me a few months ago. When I got that one out of depression, what she's doing right now with her art and how she's painting. and what she, and we, Nobody knew she could paint like this. It's mind-blowing. She never believed in herself. She was so sensitive and had so much empathy. Do not treat somebody that has depression as being worthless or having no value. They have a greater value. They need more time, but they need a conversation and they need real love and support. They don't need to be pitied. They don't need to have their ego stroked. They need help. And if they get real help and real support, they will change the world around them like nobody else. People that are in depression don't have any light, but when that light goes on, they are the most beautiful, most glorious uh, moonshine, sunshine, star sign, whatever you want to call them, but they shine and glow incredibly beautiful. It's absolutely amazing. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I feel like just because you, you hit a, a, such a personal thing for me, I could go on and on <laughs> about depression forever, but I want to hit different topics with you. But, um, you know, I feel like, I think we'll leave, we'll leave that one there of just, I think it's really important for people to know that it's important to say things that shake you up. You know, Andre, his style has been to make you think, think things in a new way. Um, you know, something I always tease Andre about is that he's always planting seeds with me. And I've, I've told some people about him before and I'm like, he just drives me crazy, but then I figure out why. <laughs> and so, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, he, he answers your question with another question or whatever it may be, but it's because I've learned through time and through my work with him that, 
first of all, you have your best answers for yourself. And so many people are constantly seeking. And I still find myself doing it. Even though I'm teaching people how not to do that, I still do it. And I will absolutely admit my faults. And at the end of the day, it's, it's so important for you to find people who help you turn back to yourself, help you put a mirror up to yourself. And, and I think Andre does that so beautifully. So, okay, back to you, Andre. So you, you've, you've told, you've told us, you know, how, how frequency energy medicine works and you've told us, you know, what lowers it a little bit more, which quite honestly, it seemed like your answer, which I can definitely see uh, why you would say that was emotion, you know, negative emotions that really bring down that frequency. You know, I want to go into just the generality of, of, of energy and, and how you're seeing it and the colors that you see. There's so many people that, you know, they, there's videos on YouTube that they say, you know, stare at a wall long enough and put someone in front of a white wall and you're going to be able to see the aura. And none of that stuff has ever worked for me, by the way. I don't, I don't understand it. Um, and, and for me, actually, I rarely see people's um, aura in color. I don't, I just see a white yeah. outline for them. I just see them, them buzzing. And for me, it's however big that, that outline is. That's how much energy they're, how healthy they are in a way. And that's projecting. I'm curious how you would, you would help people um, start to tune into that energy around them and see that energy around them. And, you know, what, what are some tips that you would give people who are first kind of starting to dial into this journey? Because a lot of my listeners are new and this is all about guiding people who are more new on their journey. Um, of course, also many, many wonderful practitioners listen to this too, but for the newbies that are like, okay, so this is awesome. So he sees these things. How could I ever do something like this? What would well, you Well, first think? of all, stop looking, listen. So this, this is a simple thing that I do every time I'm working with somebody. I stop, I completely clear the space around me. Then I look, not just with my eyes, but with my energy. I look at every situation. I see what I can feel. And then I listen. And listening is the hardest thing. People don't listen anymore. So when you, if you just take 30 seconds every time you do something and you stop, look and listen, you will start to feel this energy. You'll see pictures and you'll feel something, which is the first stage in becoming, becoming psychic, becoming intuitive. Learning to stop, look and listen, to take that 30 seconds approach could save your life as well. So let's say you're, in, you're driving along and you suddenly get this strange feeling. Slow down a little bit. Pay attention to that feeling. So you don't stop, but you slow down. You look and you listen, you observe. And there could be a car crashed above. There could be a, a, um, a guy standing there with a gun pointing at you, trying to get your speed because <laughs> you're going too fast. You know, whatever it is. But if you stop looking and listen to what you're feeling a lot, okay, why did I suddenly feel that? What was that dream I had last night? I got up this morning and I stopped looking and listen. I wrote in my book of life and I thought about it. And then, oh, okay, that dream's been a premonition. And then something happened three or four days later. In order to understand energy, you have to learn how to pay attention to the things that other people miss. So you have to know about your feelings. You have to have a sense of the sounds that you hear around you, the voices, not just the ones you hear with your ears, but the voices inside. Once you start to do the stop, look and listen and pay attention, it kind of grows from there. So the first thing is to go very simple, stop, look and listen, and then surround yourself with people that are doing this kind of work and get to see the good, the bad, and the ugly of how this works out. See, I'm very unusual. I'm very practical in the way I do it. A lot of people out there go all the way around to try and explain something. 
to me, it's a natural ability that we need to tap into, but we need to pay attention. So when I'm working with animals, especially large cats like lions and tigers and so on and so forth, they don't talk to me. They don't do, have a certain body language. They send me pictures, but it's in cat language. So I've had to learn to really pay attention of what cat language means when a cat's depressed or especially a large cat. And when, especially working with these large animals, once they know that I'm seeing these pictures, they recover very quickly because large animals get depressed because they're put in small cages. So once we communicate, I need more water. They'll show me water. They'll show me a river. They'll show me grass. They'll show me different things. I have to interpret what those are. So after you stop, look and listen, the message you're getting, leave your mind out of it and start to interpret with a different sense of being. So start to look without judgment. So all of a sudden you see a big fat man in front of you. Well, what does that mean? It might mean there's a blockage. It might mean that you know, that's where you'll end up. It might mean that there's that person's going to have a heart attack. You know, whatever it is, it doesn't mean to say that person's fat or that person's this. That's the judgment that comes up. Sometimes people see dogs in their dreams or hyenas or different things, and they're not necessarily bad. There's ways of interpreting those things. But the book of life that I've put together, which is what I use, I write everything in that book of life, and I'll sometimes go back to it, and I'll go, oh, gosh, I, that Monday I felt this, and now it's Wednesday. Look what's happened. And every time you make a realization about a prediction, it increases your ability to see. It's the more you, you practice spirituality, the stronger the muscle grows. So seeing colors and the things that I see is actually very, very rare. I think there's maybe three people in the world that see the, the level I do. But seeing energy, everybody sees it. In different ways, we all see it. Sometimes a flash in the corner of our eye. Sometimes we notice a bit of smoke around somebody. Sometimes we get this vibration, this feeling from people. But if we don't listen to it, it's gone in a second. It's not like a memory. It's not like a, an imprint. As quickly as it comes, it goes away. So energy is very fast. That's why I talk fast. That's why I move fast. Because the pictures come in so quickly, I hardly have time to see them before they've gone. So, yeah. So, so going back to this, because I remember this being early on in our journey where you would be like, ask me a question and then I'd use my brain and you were like, nope, <laughs> not that way. Don't answer me that way. And I was like, uh, I'm really good at using my brain. How are we going to do this? You know? And how would you advise for people? Because that is a common, common issue for people with their intuition and, and dialing into their psychic ability. And for me, it, it started to happen, like you said, just through practice. And, and um, solitude and silence. You know, you've, you've had more space. So you've had yeah. to kind of like just wait and feel and not go, okay, this is what's happening. What we do, Mona, is we tend to have all this logic that comes in. I just saw a flash of light. Well, that must be blah, 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 blah. I would say I just saw a flash of light. I don't add all the extras to it. It's to stop overthinking something and learning to keep it simple. So when I see a daffodil, and a client's in front of me, I will say, I see a blue daffodil. I won't try to figure out what the daffodil is. And I go, oh, that's blah, 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 blah. And I go, okay. And I'm also seeing this, this, and this. So when I see things, I don't question them with my logical mind. I question them with my intuitive mind. I present them. So I'll say to somebody, I see a dark space around you. Um, it seems they're empty. What does that mean to you? Well, I'm not, you know, I feel like I'm in an empty room, my life, blah, blah, blah. They start to talk. And as they start to talk, all the visions start coming in. 
so fast to see all the messages. But that happens to us all. And I'm sure it's happened to you. You've been talking to somebody and all of a sudden what was supposed to be a 10 minute conversation is an hour. And all this stuff's come up out of nowhere. And that person's just shared the whole life story with you. And they leave and they seem a little bit taller, a little bit lighter, a little bit happier. That is healing. Yeah. And I, I love that you're saying that because that doesn't, he doesn't even necessarily mean it coming from a healer's perspective. That's just healing from person to person communication, you know, just, just seeing someone and being there for someone and holding that space for someone. It's, it's always nice when, when you can just do that for someone and they walk away healed, you know? So I think that's, that's so important. And you know, what comes to mind right now, Andre, that I'd, I'd love your opinion on is, you know, what about, what about the uh, energy vampires, right? What about those people who you're dealing with them? And, you know, again, you, you always want to put a smile on someone's face and you always want to make, make sure someone walks away a little bit happier, taller, whatever it is from you, because that's how I am, especially in business. I always want people to walk away better than they ever came to me. Absolutely. But what about those people who just, they dump on you. They, they, they feel taller, they're smiling, but then they just projected everything on you. So you're shorter, your smile is a frown. You know, wh what would you say about when that's happening to people and how they- I have no idea what you're talking about. No idea what you're talking about. Happening? It never well, happened. It, it could, but I choose, I choose to say no. So what happens is there's, there's a trick. If you want to dump on somebody, you've got to get into their empathy. So what these people do is they found a way in through your wall they found your weaknesses and they want you to feel sorry for them so they'll often start about hey how are you doing mona and you'll say oh, i'm doing great well you never guess what happened to me i uh, i just you know my whole life's falling apart i just woke up this morning and, and I, I just i just didn't feel good i think i'm dying I, I just had this pain in my chest maybe it's not but my father died of a heart attack at the same age as me and my daughter struck and, and the conversation and it's all negative and they're waiting to see which one you respond to and as soon as you respond to a certain one, they're in like a shot. It's their therapy. What they're doing is they're dumping on you because they're trying to make themselves feel better. So if someone does that to me, I sit them down, I sit all down with them and have a cup of tea and let them talk. I let them say everything they want to say. I just don't say anything to them until they're finished. And then I change the subject. Because they've said everything they need to say, they've got rid of it. So now let's go and talk about something else. If you start talking about all the things they've just gone over, you're hooked into their, into their drama. So you'll see people come at me, and I'm sure you've seen it, and they just dump on me. They just come, and I'm like, and I'm just like, oh, okay, you fancy a cup of tea? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, God, this tea's great, isn't it? Look at the sun outside. Look at the birds. I'm not distracting. Sometimes we need to be able to listen without judgment or taking things on. I would say 90% of my work is listening to people complain, trying to dump everything on me, and I'm just, I'm not accepting that. I'm just ready when, when the golden nugget comes through, when the moment when I can help them smile, I will, I'll wait to that point. But sometimes I had one person talk for three hours solid about all their problems. And in the next three hours, we laughed and we joked and they called me and said, what a wonderful experience. The depression has gone away and so on and so forth. All I did was listen. I let them dump on me. I let them drop all that down to me. But what I don't do is I don't react to it. It's your reaction, your acceptance of the situation that causes you pain. So if you go, oh, I'm so, this, this is terrible. 
As soon as you do that, as soon as you touch your face, or as soon as you move in a certain way, you're allowing that energy to come in. I just don't give permission. And that's why I was, I was kidding with you, but I really don't allow that into my space. And believe me, people try to do it all the time. And you can feel it because you start getting tired. You start to feel the drain. So as soon as that happens, I'm like, I get alert. And I'm like, I'm refusing to get tired to this. I've increased my energy. And I say, bring it on. Come on, universe, dump on me. Because if I can make this person smile, at the end of this, I'm doing a good job. So that's my approach. I put shields up, but hey, just, <laughs> <laughs> I, I that yours is way too advanced. I'm just like, boom, boom, uh, got it. Mona, but the problem but is, yeah, if you no, put I, a shield I up, if you put a shield up, there's gaps around uh -huh. that shield. So why not just let it pass over you and make yourself the shield? Just don't allow it in. Deny it. Let them do all this and let them process the whole thing, but don't allow it in. We, you have to give it permission to come in. Empathy has a black and a white, a green and a red. It's a yes and a no. For, for people to get into your empathy, they have to somehow get permission to do it. And you somehow have to give them permission. I don't allow that. Yeah, I mean, I, I've definitely studied a lot about just permissions that we give anybody to take a piece of our energy to, re to give, you know, they take us or take or give theirs to us and dump on us, you know, and... Um, what's interesting about this concept is that you really shouldn't allow anyone to dump their energy on you or take your energy from you, including, and this is something I've talked about before, including mm -hmm. your loved ones. And that's a concept that is really hard for people to get grasp because they're like, it's my, it's my lover. It's my daughter. It's, you know, and, and what I do all the time, just to make sure I'm, I'm clearing that is I give their energy back to them and I take mine back to me so I can keep that clean. Um, so it's, it's just, it's so hard to do when you're trying to be a compassionate, helpful person. It's so easy to put that wall down or have that little bit of that leak available, you know, and it's, it takes Don't a get me wrong. Practice. It's taken me 20 years to be able to perfect it because remember as a child, I was sought after by people that would dump on me because people, every time they were around me, they felt good. So people in the streets would want to come and touch me and want to just to, to dump. I got very sick as a child. So I, in survival, I had to learn to do this. Does it sometimes tweak me when something happens, especially when I'm dealing with death or the death of a child? It's very, very hard and the anger from the parents. But you know what? My approach is to heal, not to feel sorry for somebody, not to get caught up in the drama, but it's to give them genuine tools. And my strength is always focusing on getting that smile. So no matter what somebody says to me, how much they dump on me, I'm always looking past it for the opportunity to do something great for them. So a person can be really angry and really upset and throw at me and throw at me. And I'll just sit there and I'll keep on taking it because I'm focusing on the end game. And the end game is to give them a gift. So that surpasses all that stuff. So it never touches me. It just doesn't, it doesn't really, it just floats off me. And one of the things that I, I think, one of the biggest experiences I've had is with COVID is how we call it COVID chatter. When somebody comes out of COVID and they can't stop talking, and it's like they want to tell you everything they've missed for the whole year because they're, they've been locked in lockdown. So, you, you know, they, they call you up for an appointment and they just you, you can't say a thing to them. They're just chatting away. And at the end of it, I, I stop them towards the last 15 minutes and then I inspire them. But if I don't let them talk, maybe when somebody's dumping on you or somebody's a vampire, they're trusting you 
or trying to get you to help them. Maybe it's a child screaming out for help. So I don't see it as a bad thing. I see it as a, I see it as a sad thing and I see it as a way of helping them. But if somebody trusts me enough to dump on me, then don't, shouldn't I trust myself enough to help them heal? That's a good one. And with that, I'm going to have to round this up because uh, you got to go. And I've kept you for way too long already because we were talking That's before fine. we started recording because I knew we would. Um, tell us, you know, you've, you've mentioned the book of life, but I really want you to explain to people what you're offering right now, your amazing online courses and how people can find you. Can you just let everybody know? about what you're offering right now so they can check it out. Well, there's several ways to find me. Uh, in the mornings, you can find me on the radio from eight till nine, and that's Open Mind Radio Network, and it's Omen if you want to go to that site. The Book of Life is how I live my life. So I've created this book, which, which is the most incredible thing I, I've, I think I did. And it took me years to do this because I didn't think, why, why would anybody want a book of life? What? I mean, I use it, but maybe I'm just a weird, weird guy. But it's accountability. So we have two classes, one beginning of the month, one the end of the month. They're free, and you can do a course afterwards if you want to, but you have to pay for that. And what that does, it gives you a chance to express what you want for the beginning, for the, for the month, and then at the end of the month, what you've achieved. So you've got these two points. One is, I'm going, and this is what I've done. And the book is designed to look back after 365 days to see that every single day of your life has value. Because sometimes... In our days, incredible things happen or sad things happen and we forget them. The book of the life doesn't let you forget a single moment because everybody's life is important. And I've got years of books of lives and I read back to 2015, 2012. And there's things that happened to me that I did that changed my life that I'd forgotten. So it's really you're creating a legacy and you're keeping yourself on target. And you can also write years ahead, a month ahead, two months ahead and set goals. I'm going to go to Bora Bora. I'm going to learn to dance. You can join as an accountability part where you pick three people and you set three goals for each of you. And you, you every every week you check in and see if you reach those goals. That one is the most used one. And people that are doing it are, are saying it's incredible because people like themselves are struggling with the same problems. And they, they find that everybody tells them the same thing. At the end of the month, they find themselves laughing at themselves and not taking things so seriously. So that's how I survived. The book of life is what kept me going. I'm, look, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm the smartest person in the world. I, I wouldn't call myself the most spiritual person in the world. But I am because of what I do, not because of what I say. It's actions speak louder than words. If you're dealing with depression, if you have vampires around, if you have all those different things, maybe it's the way you react to those things that's a problem, not those people. And if you change your energy and you've witnessed this, Maybe that will heal everybody in the room. So healer, heal thyself. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it at that because that was a beautiful way to end this episode. Thank you so much, Andre. I love you dearly, and thank you for your time. This is amazing, Mona, and congratulations on your podcast. And I can't wait to uh, listen to it and hopefully come back again. Yay! <laughs> I'm so glad that you had the opportunity to meet Andre, listen to Andre, and be introduced to Andre. And if you're interested, please do go check out his website and more on his Book of Life program. It's really opening people up to all they can be. He's so inspirational, and he really helps take you 
outside of the mundane and everyday rat race that we can get sucked into and dialing back into your yourself and your intuition. And it's, it's just a really beautiful program that he has. I, I have bought the book. I participate in his program and I absolutely love seeing what he's helping people heal from. He's inspiring them and it's people of all ages and it's, it's just really awesome. So please go check that out. And I hope that you have learned something special from this episode. I, I really think that Andre is one of those people where he, what he says is not quite step-by-step in your face obvious. And it, it took me a while to really see how to dig in deep to the messages and the energy behind what he's been trying to teach me. And so if you have the time, I actually recommend you listen to this interview twice because he really has incredible insights that can really shift your thinking. I believe that his energy is so incredibly powerful that, and he, he, he elevates mine to next levels. And I'm so glad I was able to keep my head on straight during this interview. But of course, I've, I've gotten a little bit more used to being able to have a proper conversation with him without getting overly lightheaded, like I was saying at the beginning when I met him. But, you know, I feel like just listening to this episode, you are going to vibrate higher. I really believe it. And um, I really hope that it can open your mind up to possibilities in healing because Andre and I are both believers that anything can be healed if you want it to be. And if not, then it, it's, you know, it goes down to a completely different line of thinking. And here I go rambling again, but that if not, it's just not meant for you to heal from that. And for whatever reason, and you know, again, I don't want to go down that train, but you really can heal from everything if you want to, and if you're meant to. So if you're dealing with a chronic illness, if you're dealing with a severe emotional trauma, if you are dealing with being a caretaker of someone with either of these things, just know that there's help. And at the end of the day, again, you are your greatest healer. I love you all. I thank Andre for joining me today. And I'm giving you guys so much heart chakra love as my heart is open so very wide right now as I close out this episode. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you like what you heard, please take a moment to subscribe and rate and review it wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'd really appreciate that. You can also find me on Instagram at Healing with Mona and visit my website at www.consciousheelingco.com and send me a message there if you want to work with me one-on-one. Until next time, this is Mona Loring signing off and sending you all the good vibes.